0: Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we continue down the road that brings us closer to a new season, uh, we are six weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, in awesome. fact, fa- that's less than, that. Less than I that. I think yeah. we're at four to five because we're closing they, in on mid-January uh, already here.
1: Jumping right in here. But did you see the Indians were going to send their players, like some players early, and Major League Baseball told them they couldn't?
0: I didn't catch that one. It was like
1: they were trying to send players earlier down there so they could avoid the quarantine time or something and MLB said that they couldn't do they were going to send them in like waves already yeah essentially a bubble thing
0: so yeah sorry jumping right in here (laughs) we're we're chomping at the bit Uh, there's been uh, some big moves uh, this past week that we're going to recap the the New York Mets finally made their splash move Uh, whether there's more to come uh, remains to be seen in the next few weeks Uh, but before we uh, completely jump in Uh, Again, Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, I have
1: have some updates on that. So we did hear back from our supplier, and the coconut oil is sort of back. It's supposed to be at my house on Wednesday. So if that's the case, the Friday, January 29th, and Saturday, January 30th, will be off-season popcorn the week. That's the week before the Super Bowl. That's what we thought it would be the perfect Super Bowl week. special, a break the,
0: uh, break the winter blues with mm-hmm. some uh, some good popcorn to hunker down with. Uh, we'll I'll have uh, official confirmation next week, assuming I get the coconut oil on Wednesday. And I'm assuming that'll be posted on your Facebook page to uh River Creek to. Popcorn, there yes, sir. So uh, keep in tune for all of your uh, latest uh, uh, popcorn updates as well as baseball updates. That's we right. have you covered here. Uh, let's dive into news and notes. We're going to take a look at really under two categories. We have... Uh, some smaller acquisitions that took place in the past uh, week. And then one more uh, uh, large passing uh, that has, has happened here. A, a big name in, in, uh, in baseball that we'll, we'll talk about. But uh, let's start with uh, the acquisitions here. Ryan Stanek, former Tampa Bay Rays bullpen member, uh, was traded to the Marlins. Never had the same uh, effect, uh, same p- uh, positive stats. Uh, still some underlying things that show some intriguing uh uh, possibilities there, and that's obviously what the Houston Astros see in him.
1: Yeah, the Astros brought in Ryan Stanick. We heard there was actually a pretty good market. It sounded like on Ryan Stanek because of the versatility. He's been both a starter and reliever at past times, so it's not surprising that he had a lot of teams interested in trying to pursue him. He but, was
0: the mm, the birth of the the opener. The opener. He was like that the original. Was his, his thing and and thrived in that role.
1: Mm-hmm. So last year or this year, he's one year, one point one million dollar contract, and. Uh, he did not, like you said, wasn't great last year. I think he had a seven ERA in about ten innings with the Marlins. But there was a lot of there's just high leverage reliever options, and so far I've not been super upset with any of their relief pitcher signings. I've they've been all relatively affordable.
0: And again, uh, Stanek, that you're looking at a small sample size there. So with a full off season, uh, might be an underrated move by the the Astros. Again, he's his fastball while it can get near 100 miles an hour is a little too straight. Uh, So in smaller doses, uh, he can be very effective. Again, starting that way, for example, with the the opener, a nice uh, first inning with the high heat, and then you switch to a guy with maybe more of an off-speed tendencies like Ryan uh, uh, Garborough, and that was a a nice blend there. But uh, we'll see what happens with the Astro bullpen, but that's a nice uh, solid uh, addition there. Uh, Backup catcher finds a home, Kurt Casale. So this one, he signs with the Giants,
1: one year, $1.5 and and while it's news for Kurt Casale, he actually had a very nice very short year obviously last year but a very nice year as a backup with the reds and then they surprisingly didn't tender him but uh six home runs in 31 games less than 100 plate appearances now the giants last year remember buster posey opted out right away and then they pushed forward their top prospect joey bart but and he was quite clearly not ready i believe he hit like right around 150 i don't have it in front of me but it was pretty rough so what this says to me is that they're expecting buster posey back Kirk kirkasali is the primary backup and Joey Bart gets another year of seasoning back in the minors,
0: and that uh, gives them options in case of injury and, and everything mm-hmm. else, as well as more uh, focus on player development. So, uh, a solid signing uh, for a again a solid backup catcher, better in the short side of a platoon uh, as you're, uh with that right-handed bat. Sure, uh, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Robbie Grossman is probably the the biggest of the three of uh, the names of acquisitions for a, a guy that. Uh, think I mean, was a good player. Yeah, think I mean, was a very good player. So he's signed with the Tigers,
1: two years, ten million. I uh, have to say it's a pass a physical yet, but like last year, once again, 192 at bats, eight home runs, eight steals. He has a very versatile skill set. But like once again, this is another player who really excels. His is against right-handed pitching. He's switch hits, but it's much better against righties. But in that Detroit outfield, we've seen them make a few lower or not as high-end signings, and I'd expect Robbie Grossman to be an everyday outfielder for them, along with Victor Reyes and probably Jacoby Jones.
0: Again, a team that needs a, a, some veteran presence as they bring up the kids, mm-hmm. uh, so it makes, uh, makes perfect sense in that uh, location with Detroit. Uh, so those are the, the smaller uh, acquisitions that have taken place this past week. Uh, now we have a, a larger name who uh, passed away, uh, mm-hmm. Tommy Lasorda, who's been uh, an iconic figure in, in baseball for many decades. All of those Hall of Famers that we've talked about needed a manager up in
1: heaven. So Tommy Lasorda you know, spent, what was it, 21 years with the Dodgers, Did not from the mid-'70s through the mid-'90s, every year with the Dodgers, two World Series, four pennants. Uh, like you said, it's more than just the managing, though. It's it's the whole personality there. Very famously, you know, just a fun-loving guy from everything you ever saw. Passed away at the age of ninety-three just four days ago. The best wishes to his family. Our condolences. But yeah, Tommy Lasorda. I said they got their manager.
0: With that, we're going to take a look at. Uh Six major storylines that have happened in the past week uh, and things that we're monitoring as we move forward here. We're going to take a look at the the Washington Nationals' improved offense. Has it improved enough? Do we like the, the moves they made to this point? Uh, the purge, uh, as we look at the three teams that have sold off uh, salary and talent, uh, which of the three do we like as uh, still having playoff potential in 2021? Uh, from the... Move that looked like it was going to happen, but financial landscape might have pushed back to Japan for a couple of key names that were uh, being rumored, as well as uh, does Nelson Cruz get a two-year deal at age 40, the best DH in the game? Uh, Does he get it from his hometown team, or what's the status there? The Dodgers' uh, bullpen retooling that has been taking place. Not a big splash move, but perhaps the right moves. We're going to take a look at those stories uh, coming up here in just a minute
1: my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile. Breast it, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, now. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see... People today have
0: attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. I'll be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! With stating the obvious of being Michael Bolton fans, we also need to state the obvious. The one storyline that I didn't include is that uh, promo for uh, what we're getting ready to talk about is the big one, and we'll dive into that one first. Uh, Francisco Lindor has been rumored for years to be potentially on the move with the escalating salary. Uh, Again, a small market team is limited as far as putting together those types of big bucks that he's going to command in another year's time. So eventually, even their owner came out and said, appreciate him while you have him because he's not going to be here long term. And so Francisco Lindor makes his move to the Big Apple uh, as part of a uh, two uh, uh, players. Not uh, uh, He's the headliner, but so is his uh, partner in crime, uh, pitcher Carlos Carrasco, as part of that uh, trade. And, uh, yeah, just a, the big move that uh, is finally taking place. Hey, Steve Cohen came in and said we're making a splash move here. Francisco Lindor is
1: probably the best shortstop right now in the game, I think. it's. I mean, there's debate. You know, Trevor Story's excellent and Trey Turner's very good. But you could make the case absolutely that Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in the game. Very young still. And then on top of it to acquire probably a top 30 starting pitcher in the game. And Carlos Carrasco came back from the cancer last year and looked like he never missed a beat. So, yeah, it's absolutely a splash move. And now the Mets look, they're, they're looking
0: good. Who, uh, what do you like most about this deal? What? What is it that stands out the most to you? Are they going to sign Francisco Lindor to a
1: long-term contract? Because then it's getting Francisco Lindor at the age of, what is
0: he, 25?
1: 20 Twenty-seven, so obviously he's a little older than I thought. So if they can sign him to a long-term deal, a la the Dodgers
0: and Mookie Betts, then it's that, right? Absolutely, that's what this feels like. This feels like you're getting him now, and before the end of spring training, that big money contract will be will be signed. Uh, and if you and
1: if you lock up a player of that caliber for five years, six years, that's that's it, right there. You've got your superstar for the next five years, and. I, said, I don't think he's he's going to have a skill set. We are talking about players before the game that have skill sets that are going to age well and not age well. I think his skill set will age very well. So mid-30s at that point, still a good player. Now, Carlos Carrasco, on top of – they already had Jacob DeGrom, right? Uh, debatably the best pitcher in the game right now. Uh, Noah Syndergaard's coming back at some point. We know that. And Strowman's coming back this year. On top of Carlos Carrasco, that's a really good pitching staff all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, when you take a look at uh, – keeping the focus on Lindor for just a moment. Uh, Here's someone who, uh, again, they they wanted their face of the franchise, right? They wanted to have that big splash move. And we talked before we got started with this of what I like the most about the Mets moves is how they're choosing to invest. This was a hard thing for a GM to do when your owner comes out and says, I want to make it rain. Uh, I want the splash moves. I want to spend big bucks here. That sounds great to fans' ears, even better to agents' uh, ears. But trying to, you lost a lot of negotiating leverage uh, with that type of comment. It's happened in football with uh, Steven Ross with the Miami Dolphins, with his willingness to spend. Owners always, or excuse me, agents always pitted him uh, against someone else to drive up the market. So a GM trying to negotiate through that is quite challenging. Uh, they chose to go with uh, the secondary move versus the big splash move so far, James McCann instead of JT Romuto. Uh, now you have, and this one I, I'm absolutely in favor of, if you want to make a face-of-the-franchise big-ticket purchase, I would rather trade for Lindor and spend the money in the long-term contract there than give the $175 million that George Springer is asking, because Lindor, age 27, Springer, aged thirty-one, uh, this is a, a much better deal overall, as well as Carlos Carrasco at his price for two years versus paying for Trevor Bauer.
1: So, if we're talking like base, so on top of everything else, playing in New York is a whole different ballgame. And I, I don't think I think George Springer would do great there. I do. I think George Springer could be fine there. But Francisco Lindor, that big smile, right, fun-loving guy from everything you know, it, it it feels like when they had Jose Reyes and the fans loved yep. him, and it feels like it's going to be a match made in heaven there so yes as far as like face of the franchise moving forward francisco Lindor is even marketable right that's the guy you want for that so I, I agree i think it's better signing than springer it's not to say george springer could still sign there that's oh, not out of the it's very possible he could still sign there i think it's his mark is basically down to two teams from everything we hear it's new york or toronto but right
0: now they've already made their splash move and this wins the hardest one to do. This wins games and this sells tickets, yep. right? And and those don't necessarily go together. When you're off season champions, right? You can uh, you can sell tickets, but it doesn't necessarily win games. Francisco Lindor is going to help win games. Uh, and as far as the the return goes. Uh, this was obviously their their major league shortstop Rosario was part of the package, but then everything else was more of, of that lower tier, uh, lower level prospects uh, being traded in return. Am I correct? So Rosario,
1: former was a former top prospect, and you would expect him to play shortstop in Cleveland right away from day one. And Andre Jimenez was playing some shortstop last year because remember Rosario was very bad last year. So Andre Jimenez they got back in return. I would expect him to play second from day one for the Cleveland Indians. So they should get two guys right away who will play basically full time for them. A Jimenez can steal a lot of bases. So that'll be interesting to see. And then they got Josh Wolf, who I believe was yeah last two years ago. So 2019 second round pick. He's a pitcher, uh, big fastball from everything I've seen about him. And looks, a lot of people think it's more of a relief arm. And then Isaiah green was actually, I liked Isaiah green this year. He was a second round pick. I thought he could have gone on the first round. He's an outfielder. Uh, Got got some tools there. It's a, something to develop. So as far as returns go, they're going to get two guys right away. I said I think they're going to slot right in that lineup. But it, if you would have told me this was the return for Francisco Lindor, I would have said, okay, it's not it's not bad. It's it's okay. And then you say that you throw in Carlos Carrasco, and that's where it looks like, yeah. But this this is a sale. This is the same thing as the U Darvish thing. In the end, it is it is also getting rid of David Price if you're Boston, right? It's clearing out some salary because we don't want to pay. The Cleveland, I believe, is now twenty million dollars less than any other team as far as salaries are concerned.
0: Let, so let's talk about uh, Carrasco. Since uh, uh, this deal has the the chance, because Lindor is the big name, but mm-hmm. uh, this is no throw-in. This is uh, uh, an all-star level pitcher who's had some uh, not a, not an arm injury, but cancer yeah. uh, that uh, cut his uh, time short in the the last two years. But he came back healthy. He came back uh, effective uh, in the. Uh, the shortened 2020 season. Uh, let me ask, well, let me ask it this way. Which player do you think has the greater impact in 2021 for the New York Mets? Oh, it's Lindor. Because Carlos Carrasco can be
1: good. Carlos Carrasco can probably give him 180. I mean, he's had two, multiple 200 inning seasons. So he could give him 200 innings and be good about it. But the offense that Francisco Lindor can offer from shortstop is something that. They were not getting out of Ahmed Rosario or Andre Jimenez, and then he's an incredible defensive player too. So, we've Marcus Stroman is a ground ball specialist, right? So you want a guy who can pick it at shortstop. And Jacob Degrom, for all the strikeouts he get, when he does give up contact, it's usually very weak. So to get a player with the defensive capabilities of Francisco Lindor to play shortstop, because Amed Rosario has struggled with shortstop for a, a few years now. There's been he was probably going to move to center field. So to get Lindor out there, that that's the bigger impact, but it's not. It's not a slight on Carlos Carrasco at all.
0: I'll give you this bit of pushback. When you look at his peak seasons before the stepping out with cancer, uh, his 2017 season, he was 17-10, and uh, 192 innings, over 10 strikeouts per inning. Uh, For 2016 and 2017, he averaged over five wins above replacement. Uh, This is an an elite arm uh, that... Was underrated on the Cleveland team because they had a wealth of pitching arms that are there. His numbers are, are definitely worthy of a, a number one spot, and you're going to be slotting him into number two or number three, uh, oh, depending dude. upon how this goes with the with the Mets. Uh, and I think that overall, that what that does to your pitching staff, how that lengthens the rotation, uh, for a guy that can give you uh, can give innings. Uh, he, over the last four seasons the stuff hasn't uh hasn't eroded even with coming back with things yes there's less innings but it's still over 10 strikeouts per nine. he's still at uh, just about one for home run uh, per nine uh, the exit velocity all those numbers are the same everything else has been good for the last four plus years. Uh, yes this is a shorter term thing at age 33 uh, but you have him through uh, uh up to t- through 2023 so you have three seasons. Uh, that you uh, have uh, control for a very uh, underrated, uh, borderline elite pitcher. Uh, And I think that move has every bit of an opportunity to impact as much as Lindor. Even though this is going to be called the Lindor trade, uh, I think this is 50-50. That's... That's it's a good. I said it's a good take. I
1: mean, Jacob Degrom is excellent. You put Carlos Carrasco, whether two or three, if Noah Syndergaard comes back and he is, you know, eighty percent of what he's seen of what we've seen him be in the past this year, that's a top three. And as I said Marcus Stroman. I don't want to sell him short either. He's been very yeah. good in his whole career now too. Now so, they improve
0: their defense, yeah. uh, that improves his effectiveness as well.
1: So that is a top three or top four to rival. You know, the Nationals famously have the best top three in that division, right? You got Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin. Well. If I said if you have a healthy Noah Syndergaard, I'll and Carlos Carrasco and Jacob Degrom, that is every bit as competitive as those three.
0: What this has done has allowed, uh, again, kudos to their their GM for making these moves because now you have you filled your spots uh, where you have no major weakness. Now with an owner that is willing to spend, you can now step back and say. Yeah, we could say we could stand pat, or we could make a move. Mm-hmm. But now you allow the market to come to you versus you going to the market. I fully expect them to make one more big move, uh, and that's not counting whether they go to the the go for a relief arm like Brad Hand. Uh, I still think uh, one of these other big moves happens, uh, whether it's George Springer or whether it's someone else. I still think they're going to be lurking to uh, potentially make that move if the market uh, presents the opportunity. Well. That- the owner came out, or
1: maybe it was a GM, I don't remember. Somebody in their front office came out and said, right now Dominic Smith, who had an excellent offensive season last year, hit 3-16 with 10 home runs, he's projected to play left field. And if you've seen Dominic Smith play, he's a very large man, uh, Very played first base last year, right? Pete Alonzo and him went back and forth. They do not, or DH, and if there's no DH, they do not want him to play left field. They've said, we do not want him to play left field, which would leave them a gap in the outfield. George Springer... Certainly the possibility there. Marcella Zuna is a possibility. You've heard him mention some possibility. So I think it's possible they make a move in the outfield. Now if you hear there's a DH, then, then it's all, all systems go then. Get another get another
0: player in there, and then you can still play Dom Smith. I, I think they are still going to look at, again, they're, they're improving their up-the-middle defense, right? They already took care of shortstop. Uh, center field is on the list, but if you look at what they've done to this point, I don't see them going for the top person. I see them being big in the second tier. So that you're looking at uh, Jackie Bradley it, heard, Jr. Jackie for Bradley, one yeah. year as uh, a possibility. Kevin Kiermaier via trade mm-hmm. uh, is a possibility. Uh, so there's a couple of those guys that can very much improve that up-the-middle defense uh, and then slot people into more to better roles. Again, that pitching staff can be that much better uh, with an improved defense with what they're doing on top of it. So. And that's what we'll monitor at this point as far as the team need. Uh, center field, uh, specifically center field defense, is what they're going to be looking at trying to fill, and that allows everyone else to go into uh, appropriate uh, space. The Mets still can be involved with uh, with, excuse me, with trades because someone like Dom Smith doesn't fit with what they have. They already have Pete Alonzo, uh, and if there's no DH, uh, he could be moved to get maybe a relief arm or... Something else is part of another deal that could happen. So the Mets are still going to be very active as we move into the the second half of the offseason. Let's flip the switch and talk about uh, the other side of this. Again, we've mentioned the Indians have cleared the most payroll of anyone and are now $20 million underneath any other of the lower-tier teams. We've had three teams that have made uh, these types of salary cap and and, uh, trading away uh, current talent for future talent. When we look at the Cubs with you Darvish, also the non-tendering of Kyle Schwarber, some of the things being looked at there. Uh, you can look at the Cleveland Indians with Lindor, with Carrasco, uh, with uh, uh, letting go of, of Brad Hand. Uh, so they've cleared uh, a lot of uh, salary themselves. Uh, and uh, not re-signing Carlos Santana, I guess, would be the other mm-hmm. other one, right? And then uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays with the uh, uh, letting go of uh, not accepting the team option of uh, Charlie Morton, and then trading away Blake Snell. So those are the three teams that have cut away current talent uh, as well as current salary. Uh, and so as we look at those three teams, which do you feel has still has the best odds of competing for the playoffs in 2021? Let's start with
1: Cleveland. The, the cupboard is not dry in Cleveland. It is not bare, considering that they have such a small payroll they still Jose Ramirez is still a superstar, right? They're a third baseman. Jose Ramirez is still a superstar, very young. And Shane Bieber just got done winning the Cy Young award. So they have two superstars still on this team. And there's some talk, you know, people really like Zach Playzak. I'm not always a Playzak guy. And Savale and Tristan McKenzie. So they have some good young pitching. And that division famously has the Twins and the White Sox, who are very good. And the Indians were right there with them last year. But after that, the Royals and the Tigers are fun teams, but weren't really competitive last year. Uh, let's go to the Cubs. The Cubs, as you mentioned, have traded away Yu Darvish and let some other things go. But overall, the offense, there's talk that they want to try to trade Wilson Contreras, possibly to the Angels. But the offense is still the same, minus Kyle Schwarber. And I do expect a lot of those guys to bounce back. I don't ex- think that – I've said I don't think that they're completely washed. Chris Bryant I, is not as bad as he was last year. I don't think he's as good as he ever is going to be again. But I don't think he's completely washed. And Tampa Bay – Yeah, they lost a couple of their pitchers. I believe it was on this podcast where you said something to the extent of last year they had the deepest pitching staff in the game and they they basically wrote it to the World Series. So they brought back in Michael Walker, right? So it's not completely dry and Trevor Richards and Josh Fleming and who knows what else they're going to get. So it comes down to me to who are you competing against? The Rays still have to compete against the very young, very talented Toronto Blue Jays. The New York Yankees are very good. Whereas the Cubs, I've said, the National League Central is not very good. At this point, I don't think there's a very good team at this point in the National League Central. Uh, they're all very much in the middle. So I would say the Cubs are the most likely to get back to the playoffs just because their competition isn't as strong as either the Indians or the Rays.
0: I, I agree as far as uh, when you're looking at who are you competing against, and that gives you more margin for error. The second question that I look at is, Whose uh, removal from the team is going to cause the greatest impact to the current team? And of all the players traded, and we've had, we have All Stars, we have Cy Youngs uh, that have uh, been traded here from uh, uh, Lake Snell to uh, Francisco Lindor to Hugh Darvish. And so exploring all of those, the one that has the greatest impact that is going to impact the current team's. The teams that they were traded from. I'll get this right one of these times. They're doing great. Um, you Darvish, mm-hmm. because the you trade Lindor and you're never replacing Lindor by any means. Rosario was solid uh, as far as uh, as far as that. It's not superstar level or all star level in that regard, but still solid. You still have Jose Ramirez as an MVP uh, candidate that's yeah. still on your team, as you mentioned, uh, and you still have uh, the the pitching talent that is there. Uh, you look at the Rays, they just find a way with pitching. Uh, and yeah, losing Charlie Morton and Blake Snell is going to hurt. But the team that's most likely to, to be able to withstand that type of thing is 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 them with what they do. You, Darvish, is the one that hurts the most. There's no replacing what he's done in the last two years with the, that rotation. They don't have the depth there. Because the rotation's it. rough right now. And Kyle so
1: Hendricks. Zach Davies, and then it's Alec Mills, Adbert Azale, and Tyson Miller, according to roster resource, which is as rough. So-
0: that's the only, I agree with you as far as division goes. Uh, that's the, the least competitive division to make it easier to uh, withstand the margin. But that blow by you, Darvish, uh, that's the harder one to replace of the ones that have happened. Uh, if I'm uh, – the AL Central is interesting – uh, but you just don't know the. There's going to be theatrics in Chicago and, and the other Chicago team uh, with uh, stuff there, so that's going to keep things interesting. Maybe too many distractions. Uh, you also have the the twins are are still very good, uh, but it depends what they do with Nelson Cruz. That's a huge blow if they don't get him back. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of stuff there. I the the Rays. I. Can, they can compete with New York because New York hasn't done anything yet, and they could actually lose talent more than gain talent with what's p- possible with oh. DJ LeMahieu, But Toronto is still lurking, and they're still going to make a move yet here. So it, it's an interesting question for all three. It is I, the Cubs. I, I wonder if they're going to. I wonder if they're going to
1: attempt to bring back John Lester. Not that John Lester is certainly not replacing you, Darvish, but it pushes. It makes your rotation a little deeper. At least you rely you on John Lester to eat innings, innings for you. Yep. So. That, that'll be something to watch as we go forward here.
0: Well, there's one uh, – uh, let's take a look at the other uh, bigger move, I suppose, that happened with uh, this week, not at this tier, but uh, Kyle Schwarber, as we mentioned him, is going away from Chicago. He's mm-hmm. uh, now taking his talents to uh, Washington, D.C. Yes. Uh, and uh, you now have the Nationals who have uh, picked up Josh Bell in a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, see, we found a way to mention at least yeah, the pirates that's here, right. uh, and uh, and then also now you have Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber is going to slot into left field, uh, and uh, and this Josh could be Berta the first.
1: worst defensive team in the game by a mile. <laughs> They're not even trying. They're not even defensively. attempting to do it anymore. Nope, like Josh Bell is not a good defender, and Kyle Schwarber is probably the worst defensive. Well, Jose Martinez is really bad, but he's not been signed right now. So Kyle Schwarber might be the worst outfielder in the game as far as defense is concerned which is kind of strange on a team that I said is basically was built on pitching, but that's a different discussion. So Kyle Schwarber signs a one-year $7 million deal, and it sounded like there were some incentives that could push it to 10 or ten with a buyout or something, and then there's an option for next year for $11 million. And he, he has recouped some of his value. So two years ago, he was incredible where he hit, what was it, 36, 38 home runs with 92 RBIs. And then last year, short in season, still had the home run power—eleven home runs—but he went from that 250 average to a 188 average, so he has to recoup some of his value. And here's what I'd say: I don't. Kyle Schwarber strikes out a lot; it's 25% of the time at least. He also draws a lot of walks. It's kind of a old school Adam Dunn type of approach to the game, is the kind of the guy that makes you think of that. So,
0: nice reference. Thank you.
1: And so, I don't think I don't think he's a 38 home run player. I don't think he's a 38 home run player especially in washington i think he's a 25 home run player and i think he's not a two or a 188 average like last year it's probably once again right in the middle so if you told me that he had 25 home runs hit a 100 rbis because i think they're gonna bat him like fourth last what i heard was they're gonna bat him cleanup and he had 100 rbis and he hit 235 i think that's
0: right about what you'd expect out of him this year See, what's interesting is, again, if you play people to their strengths, uh, what the Nationals still need to do is build up their their depth. They had that in their World Series here, some of the added guys they had for part-time roles. Uh, it's a shame they couldn't get Howie Kendrick to uh, come back because he'd be a perfect, again, fit for the, the, a complementary player uh, at this stage. Uh, what Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber do, we're talking about they, what they don't do, but what they do is mash right-handed pitching. These are platoon players, but very, very good platoon players. You take a look at Kyle Schwarber's numbers from 2019. As far as going against uh, right-handed pitching, he batted .255, .348 on base percentage, .552 slugging percentage, a 900 OPS. He had a 127 uh, WRC plus uh, versus right-handed pitching. You take a look at Josh Bell, his numbers from uh, 2019 versus right-handed pitching. You had a 297 average, a 387 on base percentage, 615 slugging percentage, 1.002 OPS, and a 151 WRC. Uh, so these are guys who, yeah, there's different struggles for different reasons in 2020, also short uh, sample size to, to look at there, but they mash right handed pitching. Uh, now, again, they're going to need platoon help. They're going to need someone to take, uh, neither one of these guys should play versus left handed pitching at all. Uh, as as good as they are versus right-handed pitching, they are the exact opposite and atrocious versus left-handed pitching. But if you use them well, uh, this can give you uh, the uh, added uh, lineup protection and build an offense around Juan Soto.
1: So the guy that the Nationals need to... Okay, there's two of them that I would really like to see what they could actually do. And it's Victor Robles in center field who is a... Like, Juan soto-level prospect. He was that highly regarded and has been really poor the first couple of years.
0: They refused to part with him for any big name guys that were out there. That was the centerpiece yeah. trade. And they refused to trade him for anyone big. And it was understandable. Like for what we the skill set that you
1: thought that I thought we were going to see with Victor Oblis was every bit 40 steals and about a 300 average and a perfect leadoff batter. Leadoff table which setter, absolutely. Would be perfect for this team because then you just you put him in the top, you drop Trey Turner, drop Trey Turner to two. Juan Soda becomes your three hitter, Kyle Schwarber or Josh Bell, and then Kyle Schwarber and then Castro, whatever. So you have him and you have Carter Kibu. It is the two young guys that were like super prospects at one point. And a couple of years in, the shine has kind of dulled a little bit on both of them. And because of that, they are currently projected to bat at the bottom of this lineup. Now, if those two maybe not fully recoup all their value, but even show what we thought they possibly could be, which is not 220 and 202 hitters this lineup was really bad last year. I remember famously picked this team to win the world series and they did not even come close because their lineup stunk. So now they've added some offense and then you get some production out of these guys that, like you said, they kept them instead of all the options. They had all the opportunities to trade these guys for, for major league talent and they didn't. So get some production out of them. And now your lineup is pretty deep. But you said not like
0: long, I should say not deep. Like you said, they don't have a whole lot of bench depth. Do you do you like the moves that they've made to this point? Uh do you think it's uh it's enough? Uh is this the the players that they should have been targeting uh to improve this offense? What how do you rate what they've done to this point on the basis of what is in the free agent market and what they've spent to this point?
1: That's a good question. I like the Josh Bell move a lot. I really like the Josh Bell move a lot. I think it it brings back a player who we've seen he can be a lot better. He's He's shown he can be a lot better as far as offensively, and and that makes sense to me. Kyle Schwarber, I've never been a set I don't always like the skill set that Kyle Schwarber offers, but I understand why they did it. Do I think Kyle Schwarber helps their offense? Sure, I think he helps their offense. It's just weird to me that they brought in two players who are so specifically in those two cases so defensively poor. When your team is still built around the fact you're still expecting Max Scherzer, Patrick Orvin, Steven Strasburg to be your studs. do You you want to ride those, now, Strasburg's arm, whatever. But the other two, you still expect to ride those guys to some innings. And last year it didn't happen, but if this team's going to compete, as much as their offense needed to be better, it's still going to be based off the back of those threes, or on the, those guys' right, left, and right arms. So I I understand why they did it. They, they saw a need. We have talked about the Nationals needing offense. They saw a need, and they said, look, we can acquire these two guys for relatively cheap, and there's been rumors that they're still interested in um, Eugenio Suarez, so that's that's been a rumor that you could fit third for him, and that would, you know, another guy buying low on the last couple of years, and at least in the case of Schwarber, I guess, uh, actually all on the last year because Suarez was great two years. What am I saying? So the, all those guys had low years last year but were great two years ago,
0: and, hey, if they, they bounce back, then it, they look like a million-buck moves. I'm still waiting to see what they do. It there still needs to be at least one more move to that offense to to come.
1: I still Uh, think okay.
0: So the trading for Suarez, the trade for Suarez could
1: happen. Sure, JT Romuto. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Nats owner.
0: You've been touting this. uh, That's the one that makes
1: so much sense to me. Just bring in JT Romuto. That's your catcher. He's an excellent defensive catcher too for those pitchers. So listen.
0: It'll uh, be interesting to see what uh, what comes yet, but like you said, there's still still a move to come uh, with the Nationals that can put this all into more uh, more clarity uh, as we move forward. Uh, also, if if Wilson Contreras is actually on the move, that's another one that makes sense yeah. here with the Washington Nationals. Again, that would cost you Carter Kaibu. Uh but uh, again, it's an interesting one to see. Uh, as far as you know, we've talked about different. Areas of need for teams to focus on in the offseason. And the Washington offense obviously was one of them. One of the other ones we talked about was the Dodgers bullpen. Uh, uh, The small problems for a World uh, Series uh, winning team. But this was the one area that was still uh, that weakness, that chank in the armor, uh, that needed to be improved. And while they were talked about and still being talked about with some of the biggest names for relief pitchers in the free agent market, they have made some uh, some moves so far where things are starting to come into picture. Uh, they've, this week, re-signed Blake Trinan. Uh, they have, uh, in the last couple of weeks, they have traded for Corey Kniebel. They have signed Tommy Conley. What do you think of the Dodgers bullpen's retooling at this point? Underrated but effective? Not enough? How do you grade the Dodgers bullpen? I think it's...
1: I think it's underrated. Absolutely, I think it's underrated. I, Blake Trinan, I did not see Blake Trinan coming back. I thought Blake Trinan was going to, you know, Blake Trinan is not that far removed from being Liam Hendricks and then he had a bad year and yep. kind of recouped his value, so I thought he was going to go become a closer again, so to bring him back is presumably a setup man to Kenley Jansen is excellent for them. Uh, Corey Knable was a closer for the Brewers for a long time, lost his job to, you know, to Josh Hader, which is after having Tommy John surgery and Josh Hader became you know, arguably the best closer in the game right now. And then Kane lays out for the year Tommy John but next year should be there pitching great now as well as I think they're underrated but effective I think that there's still a I would not be surprised at all if Liam Hendricks signed out here now we've heard Liam Hendricks the one I still think Liam Hendricks makes the most sense for is the Chicago White Sox that's the one that I think makes the most sense but he's been mentioned with the Dodgers and the White Sox and the Blue Jays now if you add Liam Hendricks this that that makes it then it's incredible because mm-hmm. then you have Liam Hendricks as your closer, Kenley Jansen, Blake Trine, and you Bruce jar who we saw just throw extremely hard in the playoffs. Corey Canable, that's a really good bullpen as it is now. It's they've certainly saw their weakness and said we're going to improve it because this is a team that doesn't have many weaknesses.
0: Yeah, this one uh, the Dodgers have the money to make a lot of different types of moves uh, for things. Again, they've been a dark horse candidate for uh, DJ Le, uh, DJ Lemayhew. Uh, and as well as uh, still some, I think it's more reporter speculation than real as far as interest in uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, but they could do a little bit of anything, but if they want to spend just a, for them a little bit of money, you can get the top closer uh, arguably in the in the game uh, and, and free agency uh, with what Liam Hendricks has done in the last couple of seasons. Uh, that to me makes the most sense to make a stronger team uh, stronger, especially as you are getting uh, the Padres trying to emerge as a legitimate threat. Uh, that would be a, a solid move for them, but so, we'll see what they do to complete it. So let's. I think we you predicted the White Sox, right? We both said the White Sox. Is that
1: still the thought for Liam Hendricks? Or
0: yeah, it's interesting that there just hasn't been a lot of. A lot of talk with uh, with him. Considering uh, how good he's been the last couple of years, yeah. It's not that it isn't out there, just not much is being reported at this point. And again, it's a slow-moving market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the White Sox were rumored very early on. Haven't heard much of anything of late. The only relief uh, rumor that's out there is Brad Hand possibly to the New York Mets. Otherwise, there hasn't been a lot of traction with anyone to this point. No. So, yeah, I, I still think the White Sox make the most sense there. They're going to let Alex Conwell may likely
1: likely to and replace him with probably a better pitcher slightly Liam Hendricks has been very good the last few years so although like you said the Dodgers can always come in with a large offer there and then that bullpen goes from being a perceived weakness on an excellent team to you know another, just another strength I don't do they have a weakness then who knows <laughs> so,
0: when you still have some of that added starting uh, pitching depth that can move into the bullpen as well. Uh, yeah, so David Bryce comes back and you move Tony Gonsal into the bullpen again. So there's uh, tons of, of possibilities and flexibility there as, as the offseason uh, uh, moves forward. Uh, one move that uh, rumored but just hasn't happened, in fact, it won't be happening at least for the 2021 season, uh, and that's the. Uh, some of the uh, international pitching moves or player moves that have uh, been possible. Uh, Sugano was the, uh, the biggest pitching name uh, that is mentioned. Rumors of a uh, maybe a four-year, $40 million deal stateside. Instead, he gets that uh, staying uh, in Japan. Uh, what do you think of, was this the right move for him to remain in Japan? Uh, again, the shifting economics in uh, Major League Baseball played a, a key role in this. Uh, What are your overall thoughts?
1: I'm surprised that his market, you could make the case that he is the second or third best pitcher available behind Trevor Bauer. at this case, you could absolutely make that case and I would listen to it. So the the fact that his market didn't, because we've thrown out some massive numbers on Trevor Bauer and I thought that you could make a case. He was going to get 60 million. I thought he was going to get 60 million and it didn't, it didn't come. So for him to go back four years, 40 million. And it's not a four. I believe there's opt-outs after every one of those years. So he can come back next year, right? And that that's what makes a lot of sense to me is you know, Lord willing, we beat COVID in twenty twenty one here, or you know, everybody gets vaccinated to the point where it's not a concern, and we are able to put some fans in the seats, and maybe his market he gets that sixty million that I think he's worth next year. I don't. I have to look. I don't think he's is he thirty?
0: He's not that old. Can't remember his uh, his age off the top of my head, uh, but uh, yeah, he was the one who was rumored as being one of the top at least thirty one three. 31. Top four uh, pitchers available in the and the free agent market.
1: He's going back to the Amuri Giants. That's a team that brought in that's just spent big on Justin Smokin, and
0: Eric Thames too. So that's a going to be a good team in Japan. So that'll be interesting to see what happens in the next uh, year. There's also another mm-hmm. uh, player who has returned to the uh, to the Dinos. The NC Dinos. So Sung Boom Na, he he was
1: going to struggle. He was not the same caliber of prospect like Haseon Kim. Was on Kim is is got a much more. He's not going to strike out nearly the level. Sung Bum Na was going to strike out a lot, I think, in big league baseball because he kind of struggled with some, like, big fastballs over there, and there are much faster pitches in the major league baseball than there are in Korea. But he decided in the end to go back also, back to Korea. Uh, I think his was a one-year deal he signed, but I'm not entirely sure on that. I said, I liked him. I thought he was going to be a pretty good platoon bat, maybe like a DH-type platoon bat and in that type of a role. somebody like I thought the White Sox would have made a lot of sense for him, but uh, – He's going back to Korea, and we'll see. Maybe he'll come back next year. I,
0: I'm not sure on that one, though. So the last uh, one that we're going to cover is the uh, on Sunday, uh, the main reporter, beat reporter for the Minnesota Twins, uh, Laval Neal with the Minneapolis Star-Tribune, uh, reported that the Twins are refusing to make a two-year deal with Nelson Cruz. They will not do the second year. Uh, or provide a second year option. They've, they've offered two different one-year deals that they've at the beginning of free agency and one is before Christmas. Uh, but Nelson Cruz has been wanting to hold out to see if the DH would actually happen in the National League, which would change his market. So he's been trying to hold off. Uh, but uh, what he's looking for is the first team to offer him that two years. Uh, that's who he wants to, uh, to sign with. Uh, as far as the Minnesota Twins perspective on this, uh, do you agree with their stance not to offer the two-year deal to Cruz? Can they afford this stance?
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they can because, okay, so I just brought up their their projected lineup here, and I've talked about Alex Kirilov on this podcast. I think Alex Kirilov is going to be a very, very good player in the Major League Baseball next season. I think he can come in right away and hit two eighty with 20 home runs. I think that's that type of a talent there. Now, if you bring in Nelson Cruz, he does it in left field, and Jake Cave sits on the bench. Without Nelson Cruz, he probably plays DH for them and I, that's that's fine. He's he's not Nelson Cruz. I don't think he's going to hit the type of power that Nelson Cruz generates, but I think he's probably going to have a... Although Nelson Cruz's averages are unbelievably good just because he hits the ball so hard, kind of a la Miguel Cabrera. But uh, I think Alex Kirilov would be fine for them. Now, if, if they have to pay Nelson Cruz... Two years, it's certainly a risk, right? As good as Nelson Cruz is, if you're talking about a guy who's going to turn 41 in the middle of this season, so that you are for,
0: paying for his age 41 and 42 season. That's all. That is a risk.
1: As good as he is, and yet DHing is maybe easier. We've seen David Ortiz be very successful with it. Up, up, older players, right? They've they've become very successful doing the DH. And he said that he thinks he can be even better if you can go back and watch a video again. Like that's what J.D. Martinez talked about. His struggles were so. Do I think that Nelson Cruz will get a two-year deal? If the National League says we're going to have a DH, his market, like that's what he's waiting for, right? His market expands, and there'll probably be some team offers him a two-year deal. If it stays the same, I don't think the Twins necessarily are lacking in leverage just to maintain and say, we're going to keep the one-year offer, and
0: it's take it or leave it. The players that I compare Nelson Cruz to is you're looking at someone like Edgar Martinez, who was the, the legend of DHs earlier on with, with the Seattle Mariners in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and also, David Ortiz is more of the more recent uh, comparable to it. In David Ortiz's age 41 season, uh, he batted 315, 401 on base percentage, 820 uh, slugging percentage, uh, and excuse me, 620, sorry. Uh, and had a 163 WRC plus. He was worth four and a half uh, uh, wins above replacement in that year. Uh, So in modern era, is it possible for someone uh, to do that DH who's essentially elite at that level? That's what he does. Can Nelson Cruz be effective next year? I think that's the easy one. It's just a matter of eventually father time catches up and that, was going to fall off a cliff, or there's you know injuries become more of a of a possibility. But this guy has been very uh, durable. durable. Yeah.
1: Here's the here's who the twins I'm sure are looking at and saying this is why we're worried. Right, we saw Edwin Encarnacion. Now it's a very short sample, but he's only 38. And last year it, it's been clearly declining for a few years with Edwin Encarnacion because the bats slows down just a little bit. And Albert Pujols is getting paid a massive amount of money by the Los Angeles Angels. And while he was at one time the best player in the game undoubtedly undeniably the best player in the game father time has caught up and while he's still a very good player i guarantee you that the los angeles angels would like to not be paying that contract and would rather be offering it to trevor bauer so is nelson cruz worthy of a two-year deal it's, That's that's basically the question here and i would say some team is probably willing to pay him that that the minnesota twins do not need to be that team they will there will be a drop-off sure if they put alex here out there it will be a drop-off but it, that will still be very much competitive with the Chicago
0: White Sox without Nelson Cruz. could someone do it absolutely as far as you're talking uh, the, the risk is, let's say 15 million dollars. You get a two year 30 million dollar contract. I don't think anyone is concerned about this first year. It's the it's the second year. As far as Major League Baseball goes and the types of dollars you're looking at, 15 million bucks is chump change. Uh, unless you're talking about teams like the Cleveland Indians or the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, that's not a large risk. Versus doing like a, a six, seven, eight year deal with like George Springer, so to me, to get that elite type of bat uh, and what he brings, I would offer that two years, thirty million. Uh, however, it's all about market. It's not about it's not just about what uh, you could get. It's again, as teams are looking at, we don't want to outbid ourselves or bid against ourselves, and who's offering that second that second year, and it's not there. What about Toronto? If they strike out on uh, on George Springer or DJ LeMahieu, yeah, uh, he he's. uh one Think of p- some of their uh, players that they've had in, in previous. Uh, think so of Jose, Jose Batista, Bautista, right? yeah. Edward Encarnacion when he was like that. They've had success with that. I,
1: do we know if they're playing in Toronto or in Buffalo? Do we know that yet? Still not a hundred percent sure. That'd be interesting to know too. But that that's. I mean, we've said they need. Probably one more bat. Maybe George Springer doesn't sign there, or maybe they just decide we'd rather take a chance at Nelson Cruz. You mentioned We talked about Alejandro Kirk. That's their projected DH. He's very young, and while I think he's going to be very good also, I think they prefer to put him at catcher as much as I like Danny Jansen. Actually, I think Danny Jansen's pretty good, but you put Nelson
0: Cruz in the middle of that lineup, and that, that's an impressive team. And I think there's a, a a middle ground to be found. If you do a, instead of like two years, 30, let's say you do two years, 25 million, and you Keep five million in uh, playing time incentives for the second year. Uh, you're for what the going rate is for a top offensive bat. You're talking twenty to twenty five million for one season. So to me, if you structure the deal right, you can give yourself enough protection, and you can give him a chance to show that he can still do it at age forty two, uh, and earn earn that money and easy to uh, accumulate playing time incentives if he's healthy and productive. So that'll be something to to watch uh, as. Uh, uh, again, we talked a lot about uh, George Springer, JT Ramuto, and, and the bigger players that are out there. Nelson Cruz deserves to be mentioned in that same milk. He just doesn't offer the defensive value that normally comes with it. And first base or DH sluggers are not paid the same way that they used to be in Major League Baseball. So it's going to be interesting to thank see you, how Chris that... Davis. <laughs> they can definitely think that uh, for that as well. With that, we'll look forward to uh, being back here next week, see what happens in the, the world of Major League Baseball in the coming uh, week. If, the, if Springer or someone else signs, we'll be ready to cover it. Roll Tide. As college football uh, championships uh, are here, and as I dream of Deshaun Watson in uh, Miami oh, Dolphins' uniform, uh, we'll leave that for another time. Take her easy.